We are so grateful to, to be with you all this morning. And um, at Rock Creek, I have a pulpit that I can actually hide behind. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, I don't know what was going through my wife's mind, but uh, came in here and uh, we were married uh, almost 40 years ago in a gymnasium, right there in that circle where they, they do the jump shot, you know. At any rate, um, this reminds me of that. And um, as, as uh, Brian said, we, uh, we walked uh, a portion of the Camino this last, uh, just, just about a month ago. And uh, at the same time, my brother and his wife were in in Paris. They were on a cruise on the Seine. And we were, we were trading uh, pictures back and forth. And here we were, we had these heavy backpacks on. I mean, you may not have considered it very heavy, but for old people, you know, 15 pounds is pretty heavy. And uh, it was kind of hot in the afternoons. And we'd get these pictures of, of my brother and his wife lounging on the deck of this cruise ship. And uh, one of those afternoons, my wife looked at me and she said, do you think we made a mistake? <laughs> of course we did. <laughs> but we didn't make a mistake. Uh, we're so grateful that we have been able to walk together for 40 years. It'll be 40 in November. And, uh, and that was just a little treat that we, we had. She's one of the things that I'm very grateful for. Our passage this morning is about gratitude. Are you grateful today? Uh, one of the things that I'm grateful for are uh, new friendships that I made this year with uh, Brian and, and Graham and, and Colton. Uh, once a month we get together at their house and, and Joy and these children serve us uh, a wonderful meal and, uh, and we get refreshed as pastors, and that came at a really important time in, in my life. So grateful for this friendship and for the partnership that we have in the gospel. And so from Rock Creek uh, Baptist Church, greetings in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're glad to be with you in this partnership in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, as I said, today's message is about gratitude. Um, Gratitude for what God's done in each one of our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it seems that gratitude has fallen on hard times, at least in this country. Several years ago, we were connected with a, a group that was ministering to a little fi uh, fishing village in Mexico. And uh, along about that time... Um, the Gulf Coast was hit by a hurricane storm and it devastated that little fishing village. And we had friends that went down and helped with the cleanup effort. And, and during the report back, we were told of uh, these Mexican believers whose homes had been blown away. And in the evenings, here's the little campfire here. And here's a little campfire here, and there's one down the way. And, and the air reverberating with the sound of praise toward the Lord for his preservation of their lives. Here are people who have nothing, and what little they had was 
swept away, and here they are singing praises to the Lord. Are you grateful today? Every one of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have great reason for praise and gratitude this morning. Um, I don't care what your situation is. Um, Brian mentioned our son. It was 13 years ago. Uh, just, uh, just, uh, just last week, we, we observed the 13-year mark. He had a, a car wreck. He, was, um, he had just graduated from high school. He was about to go to Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, where his brothers had gone, and uh, suffered this, this uh, car accident and um, ended up in the hospital fighting for his life. And God chose to preserve Peter, and, um, but Peter can't speak. He, he has to be fed through a tube. Um, he can't even turn himself in bed. He needs to be cared for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he's lived with us for 13 years. And um, when, when we first thought about the mammoth task of taking care of this young man, six foot four guy, our, our baby, and um, wondering how we would take care of him, we, we look back on how the Lord has helped us with great gratitude and praise. And so uh, I don't care who you are, you, you know, maybe your financial situation is not what you want it to be. Um, maybe, um, maybe you got a bad report the last time you were at the, the doctor's office. Maybe you have a broken relationship and, and it's torn your heart out. If you're in Christ, you have every reason for gratitude and praise this morning. You're rich. We don't even know it. Uh, as I said, gratitude has fallen on hard times. Even as believers, a lot of times we are so focused on the things that we don't have but want desperately uh, rather than rejoicing in the things God's chosen to give us but we don't deserve. And uh, I think you'll see that in, in our, our text today. And I think this could be the reason for so much anxiety and unhappiness in our lives. Uh, we're worried about uh, what we don't have rather than rejoicing in what we do have. Um, so this is uh, Luke chapter 17, and uh, I'll just give you a general context here. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's on his way to Jerusalem to die. And he makes that clear all along the way. He knows where he's headed and what he's headed there for. And this is one of the things that happens along the way. He continues to minister on his way to Jerusalem. And, uh, and the first thing you see here is a picture of great need. And so this is uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So we're not given uh, the details of each one of these men, what they looked like, what stage they were in. 
of this uh, debilitating disease. But that one word, leprosy, that just shows you what's going on here. That, that should be the key to, to the, the misery that we see in the lives of these men. Several years ago, uh, some of us from Rock Creek took a, a mission trip to Tanzania. And one of the things we, we did while we were there is we, uh, we visit a, a leprosarium, a leper colony. And uh, the, first, the first scene was uh, we're going down this dusty dirt road, and right up ahead of us is a little, little old lady crawling across the road. Uh, no, no hands, no feet. Uh, and that was, our, that was our entrance to this town. And, uh, and we were told um, by the, the missionary who hosted us to not be afraid of Hansen's disease. This is what it's called today, Hansen's disease. Um, he said it's very, very difficult to, to contract Hansen's. You could live there for decades and, and not be in danger of contracting this uh, dreaded illness. Uh, so don't be afraid to touch them. And uh, still, that was a hard sell for some of us. Uh, my older son was with us, and uh, he tends to be a little bit obsessive, compulsive, and a little bit afraid of things like this. And, and there were little children there in this leper colony. They were the orphans, AIDS orphans. That's where they, they housed the AIDS orphans in leper colonies. And these little orphans were just climbing all over us. And, uh, and I said, Andrew, isn't this like the best thing we've ever done? And he said, we'll see. <laughs> you know, in 10 years, if we still have our fingers and toes, yeah, this will have been really good. But this is their misery. This is uh, leprosy. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 13. This was a very lonely situation for people to be in, in, the, in Israel in those days. Uh, uh, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 13 tells us uh, about how you treat the leper. He's supposed to be uh, isolated. Uh, there's the ceremonial, ceremonial uncleanness and also the, the, the problem of other people catching this disease. And this is Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That's what these men were facing, these ten lepers who came to Jesus. This was their lot in life, to live out, outside the camp, away from others, alone. And imagine what that would be like when, uh, when people saw you and, and not just turned away, but ran the other direction. So this is a terribly lonely uh, way of life. Uh, to say it's a tragic situation is an understatement. Here they are living the life of the undead, no hope that the situation will change. And they, they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So what does that have to do with us? 
What are we supposed to take away from this? There's a lot of things that will come along a little later in the message, but the first thing uh, is that we should, uh, we should identify with them spiritually. I like what uh, J.C. Ryle says. He said, if saints could only see their souls as the ten afflicted lepers saw their bodies, they would pray far better than they do. Uh, we just sang that, that song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. And so, you know, we don't, we're not afraid of, of Hansen's disease or this particular thing that they had, but in God's sight, if you're outside of Christ, you're in great need. And even those who are in Christ, we continue to have need, don't we? He, he never ceases to be our Savior, and we never cease to need Him desperately. I, I love this. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. Listen to what Jesus said. This is the last letter. Uh, to the, there are seven letters to the, the churches in Asia, and this is the one to Laodicea. This is Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. It says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write... The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered. And I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and eat with him and he with me this is a letter to christians he says you you can you can get so self-absorbed and so self-righteous that you don't see your ongoing need of the lord jesus christ so these 10 lepers have this up on this foot up on so many people, they at least saw their great need, right? And if there's nothing else here today, we ought to see this, that in God's sight, before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we were like these lepers. We were spiritual outcasts. And this ought to encourage us in our prayer lives as well. Uh, what you'll see here is that Jesus loves to answer prayer. Our Father loves to hear our prayers. Prayer is a big thing here in this particular text. They call out to the Lord Jesus, and you can too. So, this is the picture of great need. Notice how Jesus responds to this great need. Back in our text, look at verse 14. It says, uh, when he saw them, he saw these ten lepers, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So, this is a mass healing. Um, sometimes Jesus will heal an individual. 
uh, but here he heals 10 at one time. And he doesn't seem to be taxed by it. Doesn't seem to be any problem for him. One of the things that we can learn from this text is, is the power and strength and might of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he really is the great physician. He's not troubled by anything that you might bring to him. Uh, one of the songs that we sing at Rock Creek uh, is an old song written by John Newton. Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. And the second, the second verse says, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. So we serve a great king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. All things are at his disposal. Uh, Psalm 50 says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And the implication is he owns the hills too. Think about your own prayer life in light of this, in light of the great need, in light of Jesus being willing to, to meet the need. Does your prayer life, is it consistent with who you go to? It's a good, good question, right? We, we have this great king. He, he wants us to come to him with our prayers, everything. And yet, how do we pray? Our prayers are so cold, so tepid, so few and far between. But, but this, the, things like this in the Gospels ought to remind us we can go to him with anything, and nothing is too big for him. So this is one of the differences here with this, this, uh, this miracle, this healing, and so many others. Uh, so many other times he heals one person at a time. Here is a mass healing, 10 at one time. Another difference is that um, he doesn't touch any of these lepers. So there's an earlier case in Luke chapter 5 where a leper comes up to him and Jesus does the unthinkable. He touches the leper and, uh, and he says, uh, be clean. You know, so he touches him, he, he pronounces him clean. This healing is different from that healing. Uh, and this is how. He, he doesn't pronounce the healing, he doesn't touch them. He tells them to act as though they are already healed. And, and what, what we, how we get that is Leviticus chapter 14 talks about what the leper is supposed to do. Leprosy was not incurable. Uh, it could be healed. And if, if the, the disease went away, then the leper was supposed to go to the priest and show himself and be examined. And if indeed he was healed, then there would be an eight-day ceremonial cleansing. And then he would be reunited to his family. And so these 10 lepers, they're standing in front of Jesus and he doesn't even heal them yet. He just says, go and act as though you are healed. Go to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest. And on their way, they're healed. It's an interesting miracle. You can see the faith that that would take, right? So here they are and Jesus says this. And, and we don't know exactly what happened. Did they leave immediately or was there some kind of discussion? Uh, maybe some said, well, that's bogus. Look at, look at you. you still, <laughs> you're still missing a few fingers there. Uh, and, and we're supposed to go to the priest? Really? 
and then someone leads out and, and they go, what, what do we have to lose? I think about uh, Naaman the leper in uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, and you remember that story. Uh, he finds out from a servant girl that there is a prophet in Israel who, who has the power of God, and that if he would go to this prophet, maybe he could be healed. And so Naaman goes and, um, to the house of Elisha, and uh, Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He sends his, his servant. One of his servants goes, and, and with this message, go to the, the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times, and you'll be cleansed. And Naaman is absolutely furious at that. He thought that the, the prophet would, would uh, see his dignity and his place of honor and would come out and wave his hand over the place or touch him or something and do something great, demand something of him, and he'd be healed in some kind of a great ceremonial way. And, and so he almost goes home still eaten away with, with this leprosy, and his servants come to him and they speak some truth into his life. They say, if he had asked of you some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? And he's asked of you a very small thing. Go and, and wash and be healed. And that's what faith is. Faith is a small thing. Faith is, uh, is not some great work on our, our, our part. It is us going to God and, and having him do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Faith is... Uh, faith cuts away the ground of boasting from under us. It's not a great thing. So these guys, uh, they go and they are healed. Um, maybe you're here today and you're just about as desperate as these ten lepers were. Uh, you don't have Hansen's disease. You don't have what they had, whatever it was. Uh, but you have problems that maybe only the Lord Jesus knows about. Um, he invites you today to bring those problems. What we know here is that Jesus loves to heal. Jesus loves our prayers. The Father loves to hear our prayers. Uh, his heart is to forgive sin. His heart is to restore uh, what sin has eaten away. Um, one of the best read, uh, books that we read this last, uh, last year was Gentle and Lowly. I saw it on your book table. And what we learn there is uh, Jesus loves for us to go to him with our, our confessions. He loves to restore sinners, and that's who we are. So we've seen the great need of these ten lepers and we've seen how Jesus responds to their, their great need. And now I want you to notice the godly response to the work of Jesus. Look at verses 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. So you can tell that this man was, was different from the other nine, right? He's deeply, deeply affected by what happened to him just now. 
I want you to notice that the, one of the things that Luke points out is that this man was a Samaritan. Um, that's important. Um, uh, the Samaritans uh, were not honored among the Jews. They, they were half-breeds. They were um, the offspring of uh, the poor Jews that had been left behind in Israel, in Samaria, during the, the time of the Assyrian captivity. And they intermarried with their captors. So the Samaritans are not full-blooded Jews. They are half-breeds. Uh, there's deep prejudice against the Samaritan. The Samaritans were prejudiced toward those who were Jews. Um, but they're not to be included. They're, they're not to be accepted. But notice the noble response of, of the Samaritan. Um, first, he gives thanks to God. Look at verse 15 again. Then one, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. Um, so just as he, just, just a few minutes earlier, he's calling out in a loud voice for mercy uh, from the Lord Jesus. And now with that same loud voice, he's praising and thanking the, the healer. Uh, the, the original Greek is interesting. It said he returned with phonase megales. That is, with a, a mega voice or a megaphone voice. Uh, so when, when you're touched so deeply by the Lord Jesus Christ, as this poor leper had been touched and healed, then your praise will not be subtle. It, it'll be, uh, it won't be measured. It, it, it'll, be, um, it'll be loud, sometimes over the top because he's done something really good for you. So he praised God with a loud voice, and then he goes back to Jesus. Look again at verse 16. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Uh, now, we don't know everything that this Samaritan believed about Jesus. There's not a, a, a confession of, of who he thought Jesus was, but we do know that he knew that Jesus was in some way connected with God. You know, Jesus had the power of God. Um, and this 10th leper experienced more than just physical healing that day. That's the point here. His life has been changed at this moment. Um, He's not just been cleansed of his leprosy. He's made, a, he's made a friend, okay? There's a connection here with this man who's just healed him. He goes back and he says, thanks. And now notice what Jesus says about this. Notice his evaluation of the, the man's gratitude. Look at verses 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So what does Jesus think about this expression of gratitude? There are a couple of things. 
The first is amazement. And the amazement comes out in, in the three questions that Jesus asks. First, he says, uh, weren't there ten? <laughs> I, I think I counted ten. Pretty sure there were ten. <laughs> and then the second question, where are the other nine? And then the third question, um, verse 18 was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. <laughs> so we would think that those of the house of Israel who counted themselves sons of Abraham, sons of the patriarchs, that they would have the spiritual sensitivity and the spiritual life to recognize that a great work of God has just been done. They've been recipients. They've just met the Messiah. So Jesus' first response is, is amazement. It, it caused me to think about the two things that we're told that Jesus marveled at. Uh, one is in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, where he's, he's preached to uh, the, the people of Nazareth, his own hometown. And you remember his uh, reception? Got a chilly reception. They rejected him. His own hometown rejected him. He came to his own and his own received him not. And it says he marveled at their unbelief. And then another instance uh, where Jesus marvels is in Matthew 8, chapter 10, and he marvels at the faith of the Roman centurion because the Roman centurion believed that Jesus could just speak the word. And you remember what, what um, Jesus said about him? I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. So he marvels at the unbelief of his own and at the faith of, of the Gentiles. So he's amazed. Weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? No one but this foreigner? Really? And here's a, a little warning for those of us who enjoy great spiritual advantages. Uh, those who grow up in Christian homes, uh, Spiritual privilege doesn't guarantee a good end, right? Uh, need to be careful of this. Uh, these other nine lepers grew up, lepers grew up in, in better homes because they grew up in Israel. They were not Samaritans. It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans chapter 9, uh, this beginning in verse 1. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So what Paul is doing there in Romans chapter 9 is he's answering the question, has God's plan failed? I mean, God had a wonderful plan for his people, and yet many of the Jews rejected him. Most of the Jews rejected Christ, even in Paul's day. And so the answer is no, 
God's plan has not failed. Number one, there are some Jews who are part of the elect. And number two, there is this great crowd of Gentiles who've been added to the church. So God's plan has not failed. But one of the big lessons there is you can't fall back on your spiritual heritage and be content with that in your relationship with God. All of us. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus, this great religious leader? You must be born again. Every one of us has to deal with the Lord Jesus himself. So here's a mass healing. And they've, you know, all ten have been healed, but not all ten received forgiveness that day. So, we've got to do business with the Lord Jesus ourselves. We can't rely on the fact that our parents are good Christians. So grateful for good, strong churches uh, where the gospel is preached every Sunday, where the Word of God is uh, preached unashamedly, verse by verse, even the hard passages. So grateful for those, those things, but we can't we can't rely on, on the fact that we assemble with the redeemed. We have, to, we have to be born again. We have to know the Lord Jesus ourselves. And then um, it, it makes all the difference in, in the lives of those who do know him. And, and, and you see that here. So the ten, the nine were healed. Um, and I'm sure that there's some gratitude in their lives. But to them... Uh, they're just happy to be back in the land of the living, right? They've been healed, and what that means is that they can go home and they can be with their family and their friends again. They don't have to live off away. They can begin to buy and sell and trade and do business. They have their old lives back. But here's what they missed. Even in spite of this great miracle that they'd just been a recipient of, they missed Jesus. They missed the Messiah. They enjoyed the benefits of being healed of their leprosy, but the deeper need, the need of redemption, went unmet in the other nine. I think about... Um, I think we get that from the last line of verse 19. Look at this. And he said to him, that is Jesus, speaking to the tenth leper, he says, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. If you have the ESV, there's a little footnote at the bottom of the page. It says, or your faith has saved you. That's something that Jesus doesn't say to the other nine. They are healed. He doesn't say the same thing to them. Uh, but to this tenth leper, he says, your faith has healed you or your faith has saved you. Uh, so the tenth leper was healed not only of his physical malady, but also of the spiritual leprosy of his soul. The others went home free of their flesh-eating disease and free of the isolation that they'd suffered for so long. But the tenth, tenth leper went home forgiven. The tenth leper 
went home reconciled not just to his family but to his God. The tenth leper went home a child of God. So Jesus says to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. So just a couple lessons here that we can take with us. Uh, this story is, is about the gratitude that flows from the work that Christ has done in our lives. I thought about this when I first started studying for this message. There's so many directions you can go with the whole idea of gratitude. It is a big subject. thought about... Uh, the problems of our culture today with gender dysphoria and how Paul says in Romans chapter 1 uh, that when the Gentiles defected, when they left God, it, part of it was because they didn't give thanks to God, right? We see a lack of gratitude is one of the huge problems in our day and the unhappiness uh, accounts for so much unhappiness. There's so many things that we could think about here um, but, but this is the key here. Jesus has done great things for us, and we're grateful to him. Um, I want you to notice this. Uh, the tenth leper, um, he's healed just as the others are, but he stops. He doesn't go all the way to the temple to see the priest. He stops in his tracks. He realizes he's been healed and he goes back. And what I get from that, I, I think that this is a good implication. He wasn't just grateful for the healing. He was grateful for the healer. That's the thing. So the gratitude is not what saves him. Jesus saves him, and the gratitude flows from that. One of the big lessons is that gratitude is one of the marks of those who've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have seen this. You've known people through the years who've suffered greatly in this life. Uh, think about Johnny Erickson Tata. If you don't have anyone in your own acquaintance, think about Johnny and, and the joy that she, she has exuded in her ministry all of these years. And here she is, uh, quadriplegic. And you've known people like this who, uh, they've gotten some bad report and their days are numbered and they know it. Uh, they won't be with us much longer. They've gotten the report and yet there's such a peace in their lives. It's because they know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's because they're grateful not just for the days that they've lived, but for the, the one who's given them those days. Grateful not just for healing, but for the healer himself. And it's not as though they never struggle. Uh, my wife and I, we have our struggles uh, in our situation. But Jesus has taken care of our biggest problem. Biggest problem you have uh, is your relationship to God and this barrier between you and God, and that is sin. That's the biggest problem that any of us have. But when Jesus, uh, when we come to faith in Christ, we pass over from death to life. Uh, his blood uh, washes away all of our sins. That's the biggest problem, and it's been taken care of. 
And now, even though life can be difficult, we're headed for a better place. We're headed for a heavenly home. We're, he- we're going to see our Lord Jesus. We're going to see our older brother. We're going to see our heavenly Father. And I love that over in Revelation, is it chapter 21, where it says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We heard some drivel the other day about how if you're a Christian, then you should never be sad or sorrowful or, you know, you can experience total emotional healing in this life. I thought, hmm, boy, that, (laughs) he just fell off the turnip truck if he thinks that. We have hard times. We do, don't we? You do too. I do. We all do. And and we we have tears that won't be wiped away until heaven, scars that won't be removed until we see Jesus face to face. But we know him and we have that promise. Your biggest problem has been, been solved if you're a Christian. Well, there's a second thing here, and that is that our, our gratitude, the gratitude of a believer is Christ-centered. It's not just uh, I'm grateful for all the ways that he's provided for me and protected me. And, and for the health that I have, and for the family that I have, and that I live in America, the greatest nation, or even better, Texas, right? Say amen, somebody. <laughs> no, our gratitude is centered on Christ and what he's done for us. So do, let's just look at some of these. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 16. We're almost finished here. Psalm 16, I love this, verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So we all have a lot in life. You know, we have a certain uh, family and a job, a calling. So that's your lot, the things that you suffer, the things that you enjoy. And God's the one who enjoys. God's the one who, who draws the lines for you. But I like this. The Lord himself is my portion, right? And then verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And here's another one. Turn over to Psalm chapter 73. This is another one of my favorite ones. Psalm chapter 73, verses 25 and 26. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Can you say that? There's nothing on earth I desire besides you. If you can't say that honestly this morning, then we need to, we need to pray, right? And you can. I, I have to confess, that's not always, that's not always what I, I want. The Lord, his presence, there are other things that I'm distracted by. But if we're, if we're Christians, this is our direction. He's our portion. He's, our, our, our gratitude is Christ-centered. So, Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. 
Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Through Christ. Our gratitude is Christ-centered. Um, Spurgeon talked about witnessing to a, a woman. He said that she is very talkative. And she said, Mr. Spurgeon, if Jesus will save me, he'll never hear the end of it. Right? May that be the case with us. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, that can, that can be remedied. Uh, the scripture says, uh, turn with me here, uh, John chapter 5. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, this is Jesus speaking, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. If the things that we've talked about this morning seem strange to you and you just can't relate at all it could be that you don't know the same savior that many of us do but that could change if you trust him it's not a great work remember what we said faith is not a great thing faith cuts uh, the ground of boasting out from under us the only way any of us when we were on i'll just say this and then i'll close when we were on our little trip to uh, Spain and Portugal, we met three young men from Norway, and, um, and uh, the, the trip that we were on, it was a Roman Catholic pilgrimage. They all going to Santiago to see the remains or where um, St. James is supposed to have been buried. And these three young men from Norway spoke very good English, and they asked us, did, did you get the priest to bless you before you sat out on your pilgrimage? And, and I said, no, we're Protestants. We don't, uh, we don't expect that the Lord will give us any merit. There will be no merit for us before God for this trip. The only merit we need has been won for us by the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we had a great opportunity to talk to these young men about the Lord Jesus. This really is all about him. He's the center of that story. And all of our gratitude flows from our connection with him. Not just the good things he's done for us, but the fact that our names are written in the book of life because of him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Of course, we're so grateful for all the things that you've done for us. Grateful for the provision that you've always been faithful for. The protection that sometimes we're not even aware of. The friends and family that we take much joy in. Uh, the callings that you've laid on our lives. The fact that we have something to do tomorrow. Grateful for all of these things. But above all else, we're grateful for our Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation you have secured for us in Him. 
I pray for my brothers and sisters and for myself. Pray that you would help us to live that out, to recognize that more consistently, that others would see that Jesus makes all the difference. It's in his name we pray. Amen.